Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets practice. What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in once again. We had today on the podcast Dr. Sebastian Gonzalez, also known as Seb. Uh, He's a chiropractor working at Huntington Beach, California. He gave a lot of great information that everyone could enjoy. So sit back and listen. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm Sebastian. Nicknamed Seb, though. But if you say Seb to people, they'll call you Jeff or Tom or (laughs) some other. I have no idea why they do. You know, like when you go to get a coffee, it's like, what's your name? Tom, just just put Tom. I mean, you're going to put Tom anyway. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm a chiropractor and I practice in Huntington Beach, California. So I've been practicing on my own for, God, it's been probably 11 years now. I went to SCU, graduated in 2008. Um, I, was, I was second in my class. I, I like to say that because number one had to speak. Number two, smart enough to not have to speak. <laughs> so... Um, so I, I, and I only, I don't say to brag, it's just, I just I want people to know that I do have a good education foundation yep. that, um, so I, I don't think I'm a dumb guy, although I like to dumb things down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the most about me. I like to, you know, I, I like to lift weights and play baseball really. So that's nice. my thing. I'm with you on that one. So why, why Huntington beach? Are you originally from there or? I grew up in a neighboring city, Fountain, Fountain Valley. It's like the sister city. Um, Huntington Beach is just a little bit, it's, it's, it's basically like my parents still live, you know, two miles away from me. Um, it's, it's funny though, like, so I have friends still live in, that live in Fountain Valley close to my parents. And so like during the summertime, they're like, Hey, you want to go down to the beach? It's like 12 o'clock. Right. And I'm like, why it's foggy, you know? And they're like, no, it's sunny. Like really you get over towards that area that since the freeway is there and there's lots more concrete. Um, it's like, it's a different climate. So um, but yeah, that's why I'm still close. It's, uh, nice. I could have moved. I could have moved for, I see Breckenridge on your shirt. I thought about moving to Colorado, but Colorado's uh, great. The plug. Yeah. yeah. I love it. How does your clinic look like and your treatment? We know you're different. I mean, I know you're different. You're more of a movement based guy. Um, so if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. So the clinic is about, it's about 1600 square feet. Um, I didn't start that way, but that's what it is now. And even the last office I was in, I got upgraded to like they moved me so they had to give me something equal or comparable so the last one is like i think it was 1400 so there's about a 500 square foot gym in the front which is it there's there's no personal training and stuff going on it's just like for clinical setting or for sub sub letters that i have um we have a couple lifting platforms we have a rack we have bumper plates kettlebells um and and honestly i know that listeners are like oh that's a lot of shit you don't need all that you can get away with just kettlebells um if if you're if you're going to go the route of like using um, bumper plates and barbells, it's mainly just like, I don't teach back squats unless they ask me. So it's more of just a teaching area, but you can sit down too. Um, there's one, two, there's really only like three treatment rooms. I don't spend a lot of time in the exam room or treatment room other than to examine. But on the first day, usually an exam becomes like after about 30 minutes it becomes, Hey, let's go out in the weight room. Let's just do something out there. And that's where we finish. And that's where we start the next time. Um, but I have, I have two renters right now 
and a podcast area, really. So it's it's a it's a nice ebb and flow. Everybody's got like the like when you walk in, it's it's we kind of talk to each other about, hey, uh, it, I don't care if it's your client or not. You know, say hello, be a friendly person, um, make sure that take take care of everybody, and then don't use the entire space because there's like three of us, four of us out in the wait room area at one time. It's like you don't need someone to do, you know, like push-ups there and then like goblet squats over there. It's like, keep them in their square, you know? How did you know that you mentioned that you didn't start off with 1600 feet, but what was that objective goal or that, that moment where you're like, I need to upgrade and get a bigger space? Yeah, that's, I kind of used, and this is probably going to be bad because I know that um, you you should be more organized than this, but I kind of knew around 20 people a week consistently, sorry, 20 sessions a week consistently that I would be okay with the rent that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it wasn't even like one month of 20 people plus a week. It was like, I had to convince myself it was like a year, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was pretty busy, um, at least for, for, you know, considering. And at that time my rent was like $400. So I jumped it from that to 23 and, like, yeah, I even held, like, I got an office. It was too big for me. The 14 was too big. Mm-hmm. And even now I can get away with just a room. And like, I literally have car parts, like fenders and shit in my, my closet <laughs> in there. I don't need all this room so I can get away with much less space. But, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of scary going into the new spot, but I thought that I was going to have an associate doctor or like people who reach out to rent. That is the hardest thing. Like I posted on every Cairo like forum and school uh, classified to try to get someone to rent five years. I could not, I carried that extra rent. So I think if everybody's thinking about like, you better know a lot of people who are willing to actually put money down. Like I had people all through it. Like I had people get to the point where I'm doing a detailed lease for them mm-hmm. and they pull the plug. Like I think that happened like four times. They all pulled the plug. And finally, I finally, I just said, look, I'll be honest with you everybody pulls the plug after they got to sign before they sign the dotted line. Are you going to like, are we good? Or are we good? You know? Mm-hmm. And so they just never call back, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I would, we weed them out. Yeah. I would, I would, uh, if, if everyone's looking for like space, um, either you go in and do a space share with someone who actually has like a real business, not like someone who's like, oh, I just want to work once a week and rent this room. Like, cause those ones are, they'll, they'll ditch out on you quick. Uh, or you just get something that, that carries you and then tell you, tell you want to graduate up. Yeah. So when it comes to actually subleasing or having these people that might not necessarily be directly representing you because they have their own little side business within your facility, what's that conversation look like? Because you did say that, hey, you need to have you know that happy face when you're meeting now, some of that may not be your client. So how do you set those guidelines and what are those guidelines in specific? Well, so like... First off, like be, live, being in an office with other people is like living with people and you don't want to just rent to anybody and you don't want to live with anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of thing as getting a roommate. You have to have, a, have an understanding, meet a, meet a few times and um, in, regards to, um, in regards to rent, I tell them, you know, I'm not going to baby you. I'm not going to look at your, like, at your income statements. I'm, I don't care. Like just put the money on my desk. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's not, it's not a hard thing. Like I got to pay my rent. You pay your rent. Just, just be an adult, just put on the desk and won't have any problems. Um, they get keys to the office, um, pick it up just like 
really, I think we just think of it like a house. I think you like, you'll probably formulate a lot of the rules. Um, but yeah, just when it comes to the, the weight room area, which is a little bit more complicated is programming. And so one of the people, uh, really likes to use a sled. And so we have room to push a sled, but it, it would negate the possibility of someone else doing other things in like, not just a strip because it's not just a straight up and down. Like they're pushing the sled that way. They're pushing it at a diagonal. Mm. And so someone else might do loaded carries and it's like, okay, so where are they going to go? They're going to follow the sled or they're going to go down the hallway, which is another strip of space. So it's just being mindful of, Hey, are you using the sled? Uh, what, Cause I got to get someone to do loaded carries and they're like, Oh, okay. So I'm creative enough where I can then, not use a sled to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's creative, creative enough. So how, how has your treatment evolved from when you started or graduated to where you're at right now? Because I remember in your old, old podcast, you mentioned that you did a lot of ART, mm-hmm. but right mm-hmm. now you barely do it. So how did that evolve and why? Yeah, so there was probably the point, like I, I wrote about this and I wrote a book on, I called it I Will Beat Back Pain. And so me and me and Cody Demack were, we used to live, live and work really close to each other. So he was, he was in Costa Mesa, which is probably like, he's basically, he'd be like my direct competitor. And so we met, we met up, like we'd meet, I'd say probably monthly, um, pizza, beer, you know, bullshit, you know, good friends still talk today. Um, but he didn't live here anymore. And so he, we started just talking about case presentation and finally like he, he swears that he didn't say this, you know, but like, so we, we were drinking all these, they have these beer called Mongos and Mongos are like a 8% and he, he's, I mean, he's like 250 probably. He's like, I'm like one four fifty. Like, <laughs> oh, but he drinks some quick. Hey, get another Mongo over here, you know? And so like, I would just get blitzed. Right. And so, so finally I would just like, I think it was one day I, I would always have these questions about these freaking back cases. Right. And so I was like, how much do you think you know about backs that I don't know? And he's like, 25%. Like you only know 25% of what I know. And so he, or no, I think he said 15% or something. And then, so now, now he says, I didn't say 15. I said 50. And I think, I ah, what, whatever, you know? <laughs> But either way, I, as I started to learn some other things, like like I was not familiar with McGill's. I didn't know McKenzie's, you know, um, and I and I would just only tissue work back cases, which worked for some of them, but not but not the acutes, not the subacutes quite as much. Chronics it worked much better, but um, yeah, it was it was at that point it was like, huh, if this methodology works with these cases, what else does it work with? And so it just started unraveling like other things that I can use it with, and so now. I found out that I don't really need to do tissue work. Um, and I say need by it's not a, it's not, it's not that it's not nice. It's just that it's not forced needed a bulk of the treatment on hip FAI, sciatica, low backs, neck, well, actually necks need a little bit more, um, quote unquote, rotator cuffs, um, radiculopathies, um, knees, mm-hmm. an- ankles, you know, so it's, it's, it's really changed the way I've been, the way I've been thinking. And so kind of following some of McGill's work on, you know, scab picking and first aid and th- like th- things like that. Um, I created that little thing that you watch the web, web webinar on where, excuse me. Um, so one of my, like one of my interns had asked me, 
well, now my associate doctor, um, she said, hey, I was thinking, can we use that co-contraction thing where you do around the low back, but for the neck? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, that's basically like the thought process. I think when you're implementing care, you should have a reason and a thought process, not just randomly, oh, that that's where they're pointing. So, yeah, so probably that moment where I got really drunk and I thought the next, there's been a couple times where <laughs> where I was like, huh. There, I think one time he was at my house and uh, I was like, hey, what do you think about, I forget what I was talking about, but I'm like, what do you think about this? He's like, oh, IAP. I'm like, what's that? He's like, you don't know what IAP is? I'm like, no. <laughs> And so the next morning I woke up, I'm like, I wonder what IAP is, you know, and then I started looking shit up and then, and then I started using other stuff. So it's just, I guess I'm curious enough to try to figure it out, you know? Yeah. My question would be like, I mean, coming from a student that hasn't been on the real world yet. And I understand that, you know, like systems where you're talking to other practitioners for ideas and, you know, case studies that you haven't seen before. But uh, coming from a student's standpoint, they might see that as very weird. You're making friends with your competitor. You know, you're taking food out of my own mouth. Uh, what was that relationship for? And do you see, would you say that it helped you in your own cases? Of being, of being friends with a competitor? Exactly. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I definitely think so. Like, I don't know. I think it's everyone's own. If everyone's going to do that, like it's your own tolerance to threat. I'm not, I'm not threatened by that shit. Like, I'm not worried. Like, I know that, like, the people, of all the people, if me and him went out there and met random people, I bet nearly all of them had never been to, uh, a, most of them not been to a chiropractor that they loved mm-hmm. or they're committed to or even or even been to a chiropractor at all, you know? Um, or, like, we'll take it even a further stab. They've never been to ones like us. So, I'm not really concerned because there's enough fish in the sea Mm-hmm. Um, and even our fishing ground is large, but, uh, you know, thinking back to think of all the friends you have in chiropractic school right now and how much they understand you and how much you get along. Mm-hmm. And you can talk about life shit. You can talk about pathology. You can talk about troubleshooting. You have so much shit in common. Why would you not be friends with the people who understand you the most? Like, I think it's stupid. Like we're, we're fighting over like 25% of the population here when, when shit, there's so many people to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's a great point. You know, that that's what we've been hearing from people like yourself. That's actually do it. It's always the people that never really forged that friendship with another competitor or something like that would say, don't do that. That's going to ruin your referral system or yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I think it'll only strengthen it. You know, it's just, it's just good validation. I've sent him people. Um, he sent me people too. Um, and you know, also too i guess so when he actually when he left town where do you think he sent his people exactly so i mean yeah we can say that was a threatening relationship but i see i see a handful of his people now i don't know where the rest of them went you know (laughs) maybe to the other person he's having pizza and beer with but but i don't i don't think it's i think that we all got to get over that it's just an ego thing um and I bet if you talk to, you know, MDs and orthos and like, they're not worried about that shit, you know, mm-hmm. I bet they're not worried about that shit. So I'm, I'm certainly not worried about it. What are some of the most common injuries that you see at your clinic? God, I've been seeing a lot of hips, gr- groins, let's, let's call them groins. Um, a lot of posterior hip, which we can call it whatever you want. Um, a lot of low backs, necks and shoulders really. Um, I, I don't, I don't tend to see a lot of hands and ankles and feet and things like that. I don't know why, um, but I'm sure as soon as I say, I say that they'll come and burst. But 
I I feel really confident about hips um, and hips and groins and low backs. I feel pretty like really confident in, in necks. I don't like headaches quite as much. Shoulders, I pre- feel pretty darn confident in too. Um, but as I, I kind of tell patients on the phone, like prospective people, say that if we're really good at spinal and move out towards the ball socket joint, mm-hmm. you get further away from the spine, our effectiveness is going to go down. I'm not saying we can't do it, but it's it's not as it's not in our wheelhouse as much. Um, I. I did have a patient recently that she was, we did a tele, we did a telehealth. And so she had been, she'd already seen me for other things. And so she just had a lot of confidence in me. And so she's like, I got this thing on my wrist. And uh, so I tested her out, looked like positive decorements and stuff like that. It wasn't like, I even tested out neck, shoulder stuff. I didn't see anything really related. And so by using some of the, so I used a step four on her and we did a lobster claw hold with a, with a, she was sitting on a, she had a dinner, uh, like a dinner chair. And so she did a lobster claw, claw hold until her hand was about in spasm. And then she retested the thing, which is picking up a pot. And then her pain was gone. And she emailed like four days later and she said, yeah, that's my, my wrist pain has not been back yet. And I'm like, well, good. I, I, I don't want to make the promise of the world on that, but you know, it, it worked. So I don't feel subpar about it, but I'm, but to answer your question, closer to the spine and ball sockets are better. Yeah, carries are like magic, dude. Like they help for a lot of things. Like for example, some cervical pain with radiation to the arm. I've seen people just do carries and boom, like it clears out. It's yeah, crazy. yeah, they're good. They're they're so, a good missing link in there. So, out of all of those injuries or the most common that you see, which one's your favorite to treat? Uh, God, you know, I don't. I've gone back and forth on this. I like I like groin, but then then it comes into like there's there's a possibility it's it's true FAI or if it's like low back driven. Um, probably the cleanest one is just low back subacute disc flexion mm-hmm. intolerant. Like those are super easy. Um, but you know what? Actually, I take it. The ones I really like is IT band. IT. Hmm. Yeah, IT or or like piriformis, you know, because those ones don't like when you question them out. Like they're not a scent, they're not like a solid. Like my back hurts, but if they if they're like a neurogenic version of IT band or piriformis, which a lot of them are, they're so easy, so flipping easy. And these people have tried like so many things, so they're like excited that like oh, they're like oh my god, I've been foam rolling this for years, you know, <laughs> so. That one, those ones are, and, and because they're not extremely disabled either, it's circumstantial based upon activity. Yeah. Um, they're not, they're also not in freak out mode. They're not panicking. Yeah. So I, I'm going to stick with that answer. IT band piriformis. So let's talk about piriformis because it's like a huge buzzword uh, nowadays. How does your normal evaluation and treatment look like? I know it depends, but because each patient is sensitive to certain movements and yada, yada, but what's like a general idea of how it looks like? So like how they would clinically look? Like your treatment. Or you can talk about the clinical presentation and then your treatment. Oh, the, the, so the treat, well, yeah. So I guess, well, I guess for exam, I guess I'll start with exam is, is you just have to, if you clear the spine out and clear the nerves out, then like maybe you're looking at like an, a local thing. Most stuff in the backside of the backside of the hip, posterior hip is going to be spinal driven in some fashion. Um, but 
uh, there and also too, uh, in case everyone knows, there is some specific um, uh, um, neurodynamic tests you can do to tease out true piriformis cases, uh, which if you you should have on Shacklock sometime if you haven't already. So, uh, but in regards to treatment, they're really not too different from backs most of the time, unless they're really true piriformis. Which, to be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever found one. Yeah. Right, and, and that's that's what's great about these cases is they've already explored that route, and they have not gotten better. So there, it's a natural weeding process. But so usually, what I'll go through with these people is I'll establish, and I'll, I'll just talk about the five steps at this point because it'd probably be yeah. easiest to organize. So the the first step of the imagine a pyramid. First step is is working diagnosis, history, and examination. We're all going to do that. All patients, all, all students are going to do that. Um, and I say working working diagnosis because I'd love to say we really know what the diagnosis is, but we don't know what it is until our treatment worked because mm-hmm. our treatment was specific to the problem. Mm-hmm. So step two is finding a first aid or a safety net. This is also for patient empowerment, but also too for um, being able to cool everything down. Um, I hear a little blip. Are you guys getting that too or are you okay? I can't listen okay. to anything right now. Okay. I th- no, I think it's on my end. It's okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Usually with those, I'll do I'll do a I'll do an opener, a shacklock opener, or I will do a frog's pose, or a ninety ninety breathing, or I'll do a, um, a end range loading extension or or flexion. It, so it depends upon what the examination shows. Or sometimes people can we can simply do what we call position of comfort where say you're struggling to figure out what's going on with this person and you're like, none of these things are working. You know, all these things I really like to do are not working. And you finally like muster up and say, what makes you feel better? They're like, Oh, thank God. And they just go on the ground and sit cross-legged. I had a guy who just, he's like, this takes all of my pain away. And I was like, great, go home and do that 10 minutes a day, break them up into bits. So, and he didn't, and he improved quite a bit. So step three is usually the corrective exercise, your DNS, your bird dogs, your bands, your balls, and stuff like that. Um, usually for a piriformis case, depending upon what I find, there's a possibility that they're, they could be loading onto the side of the complaint or away from it. Um, and if I see some type of frontal plane shift, sometimes I'll use like a, like a low diagonal sit for the opposite side or the same side. Or if I see that, like there's been cases where I had a guy recently where he was on, we did a telehealth again. And so he had, he had a positive slumps test and he keep in mind too. I know this is, it's, it's easy to forget these things. He couldn't bend over to touch his toes and his hip hurt. It was right in the area of the piriformis. And so we could just easily take that one data point and say, well, this is a back because it looks like he can't touch his toes and he's trying to bend his spine. But if he bends his knees, he can. And if he does a slumps test, he can't do it again. And so rather than just jumping into that, uh, we need to, if you, I had him actually round his back in a seated position, he had no pain or no, no provoked pain anyways. So what I had him do based upon what the theory of what I was working on, what was increasing it and reducing it was for the step three, I had him do a side plank until he just about vomited on the opposite side. Opposite side. 
right? Mm-hmm. All, all, all which, like, you got to ask the person, does this create your problem? No, it doesn't. It's just hard. Okay, keep going, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this is just knowing, like, the confidence of, of what, what's the intention of what you're doing, what's the mechanics, and is it safe for the person based upon the exam? And so uh, afterwards, he did a slumps, and he can put his chin all the way to his chest. And he's like, I wish I had on video. He's like, oh, wow. He's like, that's way better. Um, originally I did a, we, we tried some end rings loaning extension. We tried some neurodynamic openers and they had a little of a change, but in this case, um, a simple side plank to death was the thing that had made him feel better. Hmm. And, and then I would, and then to, to double down on that, I said, are you doing your carries? Cause I've already seen him for something else. Uh, and he said, yeah, I'm kinda, I'm like, you know, a, a, a suitcase carry is a walking side plank. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'll do him more, you know. So I guess in my my thought process with that, he's kind of frontal plane deficient, which is driving his problem. Why don't we just double down on the information we have that made him better, and let him do his work? And I don't have the re- I don't have the outcome of that one because that was just last week. But that's kind of how I would then progress down a piriformis. But if that was a disc driving it, we might go the McGill route. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the exercise selection, you mentioned one exercise. Is that typically how much you give your clients or how does that work? No, I can, it depends. Like I, I really need to, I really need to, to cool it down sometimes because they're, you give, you give too much stuff and it just overwhelms them. Mm-hmm. But I try to, I try to let them know that if I select a first aid from level two, that if they don't do that first aid, none of the other stuff will work. I said, all this other stuff looks way sexier than what you're doing. Like you're just laying on your back with your heels in a chair in a hook line position. All this mm-hmm. other stuff looks way more exciting to you. I know don't, if you don't do this, don't do the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll usually give them a first aid or a position of comfort or something like that. And I'll give them one or two exercises from level three corrective or buttressing or breaking that will help emphasize the need to not do that first aid it's it's kind of like if you're looking at someone like say that case we talked about say if left lateral bend increases symptoms then right lateral bend would take it away and increasing the tone of the muscles doing the anti left lateral bend then it would negate the need to have them lean to the right throughout the day so uh in say in that situation i didn't that's all i really gave him other than just do this other stuff you're doing, which is like create the cylinder effect of, of the torso or the core, mm-hmm. and then just do your do your Dan John, Dan Johnish work on, on level yeah. four. So, but for new people, I'll give them a first aid and I'll give them one or two exercises. But here's where the system falls apart. If you don't know your exercise selection well enough, and if you don't pick well in the beginning, number one, you lose trust with the person because mm-hmm. you're trying all these different things that don't work. Or the second is is you have to preface it with what I'm doing right now might not work. And if it doesn't work, don't worry about learning this exercise because you won't be doing it at home. Cause mm-hmm. they'll like, they're mentally scrambling about, holy shit, you went through five things. I don't remember all these, you know, or, or you can call them and say, we'll video this at the end. Don't worry. Awesome. So I know you like, uh, you like to say that patients should leave or should aim to live in steps four and five, which is strength training and playfulness. So how does that conversation look like? Or how do you program for the training for people that don't enjoy doing it? Yeah. So that's, um, I haven't found a lot of people who are not at least open to 
doing some type of weight training. I'll start, I think I'll start with that. Obviously, everybody's need and goals in weight training are different. So it's going to be a big mistake for everybody to, to fit them. Like don't fit them into your version of fitness. Um, just get them to do um, a little bit of, of resistance training in the five-step Dan Johnish system. Um, in regards to playfulness, it's, that's, that's a, they have to choose that. You know, like I would love to go play baseball right now and you won't have to talk to me about it twice, but we're not going to play. And I really have to struggle to find something to, to do that would, you know, it takes a little creativity because if you throw someone who likes baseball into soccer, they're not going to like it. They're not going to yeah. stick with it. Mm-hmm. So you have to let them choose into that and you might want to coach them a little bit through, you know, what, what do you like, you know? And that might not get drug out the first day and neither will the talk about level four because why, why would you go on a date with somebody and talk to them about what you want your 401k to look like on date one, you know? <laughs> so just take yeah. those steps later. It, I think it'll naturally happen. Once you get through some silly floor exercises, then they're going to say, hey, I really want to go back to the gym or I want to do these other, th- I want to do this, like I want to go run. What do you think? I, is that okay? Yeah, sure. You know, what else do you want to do? Well, I like doing pull-ups. Okay, so why don't we, well, can we well round that program? And that's probably a better talking point about it and letting them lead into that. The people who really don't want to, I wouldn't force them to, but I would encourage them to be active um, in, or like go for walks, go for bike rides. Um, don't be afraid, like to coach them into not being fearful. Like feel free to clean your garage out, you know, organize the garage and, you know, move a bed or whatever they got to do to encounter some types of loads, but then coach them in how to do it safely. Mm-hmm. So regarding the programming, how does that look like? Do you send them uh, videos of the exercises through email? Do you use the Jane app? Do you just send like an Excel sheet or? Uh, well, telemedicine will be, or tele, you know, we can't say telemedicine. I don't know if you heard that. We really? said chiropractors have to say telehealth. Telehealth. Wow. Yeah. It's a new thing. Thank you. I was, informed, I was informed by the uh, uh, California Chiropractic Association because I called them asking about something. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're, like, they're like, you know, we can't say that. And I'm like, really? I had no idea. Okay. That was the same thing. Anyways, so um, in regards to telehealth, um, I will like, so if I'm talking to you guys right now, I'll be on a side screen typing some things out for them. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't know if I'll continue. I was recording them for their benefit. I don't know if I'll continue with it. But Jane currently doesn't allow you to record. But I they, I talked to them the other day. They said they might allow the feature soon. But they're working out some HIPAA stuff. Um, but Jane's is super easy, by the way. Like yep. if you go through like Zoom, you have to go through to create a link, and then you have to go to Google Calendar, and then if the yeah. person moves it, holy shit! It's a pain. <laughs> <laughs> And and uh, did you hear about the the porn that's been injected into Zoom on accident? Really? Because no. now with all this like tele stuff, um, people are like hackers are like dump like into a meeting like we could just get porn on the screen and you can't <laughs> like so they're trying to like that's what Zoom has a they have passwords um, now. Okay, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah, so now they're now they're doing passwords. Thanks, thanks Zoom. I love Zoom by the way. Um, but. Uh, you're mentioned for videos in person. I will encourage them to take the video on their own phone. Um, 
I've had people who have said, oh, I don't need it. I said, please take the video on your own phone. If you ask later for a video, I will tell you no. Mm-hmm. And I've had people ask, can you take it on your phone and send it to me? And I say, the answer is no. And I tell them like, not like a jerk, but I tell here's what I tell them why I did this one time for a friend because she, her phone was dead and it took me literally an hour to convert the video, compress it and send it in parts to her. So I'm like, I'm not looking to do that. Just take it on your phone and look, I'll be the model. You don't have to be the model. I'll be the model. We'll be done in two minutes. Yeah. Easy. If they really need it, I do have videos that I've, I've created with, you know, like kettlebell halos and suitcase carries and farm. Like I have all that stuff on a Google drive, which I'll send them a link to, but I really don't want to make more work for myself unless it's say on telehealth, then I can go onto the side screen and say, you keep doing that movement. I'm going to pull these things up for you because I'm going to forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like you have a good understanding on when you need to be stern with your, your patients. And, you know, it's very easy for a student coming out of chiropractic school to kind of like, you know, bend over backwards for their patients because, you know, we have all this debt and, you know, you want to maintain some kind of clientele base. Where, when did you first decide, like, I need to put my foot down? And then also, how do you know where that line is? Yeah. Um, I still, I still don't know where that, where that line is. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it took a lot of years, you know, like, like I would go in on Saturdays and stuff and after hours and I, I do all the same stuff you guys did. And I, I think when I first finally realized that the value of, of only making yourself available on certain days, it was like, a, it was like, it was huge because I would take Wednesdays off and I still take Wednesdays and Fridays off, uh, except for during COVID-19 times where apparently every Wednesday and Friday is a work day. And, uh, but when I realized that, because people would ask, Kate, can I come in on Wednesday? And I say, well, Wednesday is my day off. And they say, okay, how about, th- how about Thursday? And I was like, wow, that was easy. You know, <laughs> like I, I think we're, I think sometimes we assume that we'll offend somebody by not giving them what they want, but it's really what works. It's a relationship. It's what works for both of you. Um, in person for the sternness, I'm not super stern all the time. I try to be like, I, I listen and stuff. It just depends if they're not listening or if they're not doing some, if they're not, if I feel like they're not going to do something that helps them, mm-hmm. I'll let them know. But if they're, if they're like, Hey, I really want to do this for that. And I don't think it's going to harm them. I'm like, sure. Go by all means, you know, go ahead. But I, I remember I told a guy one time that he was, he was probably the first one I was super stern with about it, but we have a good relationship. So it was, it was kind of like, like he, he understands like my intentions are good but he wasn't doing what I needed him to do to mm-hmm. proceed his, his thing forward. And so he, he came in one day and he had, uh, he had like piriformis area pain. Right. And so, uh, he's like, ah, you know, like this is bothering me and you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, great, cool. Let's try this. Uh, in that case I chose, um, an end range loading protocol and he came in three days later. And he's like, ah, it's just not getting any better. And I said, did you do the stuff as recommended? And he's like, no, I didn't have time. And I said, look, dude, I'm going to be honest with you. Don't expect to get better or my opinion to change until you do it. And here's the reasons why. I'm working on a theory. You have not done anything to prove or disprove my theory. So my answer is the same. You haven't given me anything to work with. So mm. I'll be straight up. If you don't do this, I, I can't give you any more different suggestions. I'm going to sound like a robot every time you come in because I'm not changing my opinion. So just do it. And so he did it 
and he got worse. <laughs> he got re- he got completely ridiculous of the foot. <laughs> and uh, he's like, but he came, he came in. He's like, man, that stuff it made me worse because again we have a good relationship. I said, good, that's okay. Let's do the opposite. And then he got better. But I really didn't know, you know. And so, but he wasn't really making things easy on himself or me if he wasn't doing the homework. Yeah. That's remarkable. The fact that communication alone right there, because I, I feel like if that, that piece of communication wasn't there where you explained yourself and they came in feeling worse, it would have been something much more than, okay, let's do the opposite. You know, you built that rapport and that allowed for things to progress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, fr- you know, framing the conversation is always important, you know, um, you know, like, just like we can say things that are rude if you quote it, you know, like it's not quite offensive. And like when we're, I think when I'm, when I'm talking to patients, I really let them know that like we're, we're gathering the information that we have at this point in time to proceed forward down a working diagnosis. We, we don't know what it is. And I guarantee you any doctor that tells you definitively what it is, doesn't know what it is either. He's also has a working diagnosis. So um, what you do throughout the next couple of days is going to prove or disprove this theory. Um, if it goes well, we're going to continue down that route and double down on the information we have. And we know that we know it's getting you better. But if you come in and you feel worse, that's not bad information. That's just information. And it's information that I was not able to gather in the exam today because it needed time to gather. Mm-hmm. So well, let's work on this together. If you feel like things are going downhill, just you can email me. Um, but certainly gather the information for me so then we can, I can help navigate you through this. But there's nothing really I can do right now to gather that information for you. It has to be you. Mm-hmm. So you have a responsibility in this. So I think framing it a little bit better for people and getting them to understand that, that they have a big part in their care is, is the important part. Um, and also let them know what the possibilities of negatives are mm-hmm. so they don't freak out and they know that people have done it before them so they know they can get better too. It appears it appears that you you like systems you like developing systems kind of like uh, the E Myth I don't know if you read it where you know you figure out what steps you need to take to create a system so you no longer it's it's basically now automated. Did did you do something similar of that sort? Uh, probably probably not with business. No. Um, okay. For for like structure like I I created that five step thing mainly out of it was out of need. Um, I had. Uh, my first intern was was Jeremy Dinkins. He's now gone yeah, about, RSM. about a year. Yeah, oh, yeah, RSM. So that hair, man, I just want to buzz his <laughs> hair. So, but so yeah, the first in, well, actually, he wasn't the first intern, but he was the first intern in a long time um, since I started practicing the way I do. And so it was kind of challenging to teach him because I didn't like. There's no. It's just random shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And so after him, I I had well, I had one and. Um, so that one was hanging out and then someone else, another one said, Hey, heck, can I come in on Thursdays? I'm like, okay. And then, um, you've probably met Kyle, uh, Hemsley. Kyle is, uh, okay. So Kyle is like, he's a go-getter. He's, he's, he's pretty smart. He's in Reno now. Um, but Kyle was like, he literally, he actually, he offered to do bitch work, scrub my toilets, do anything that I asked to intern with me. And I'm like, okay i gotta let you do it you know and so and then and then when he left i took he because he left in term nine because he went to reno um uh i i took on his roommate 
and who, so she's now the, she's now an associate doctor with me. So I had four, basically four people at one time. And so it was not easy and all of them had different learning styles and I had a shitty teaching style. So I created like these, these kind of like, here's a case presentation of like a, a pure formist. And I wrote down the things that I would probably do based upon like the positions or the, the points on the, I didn't have, there was no pyramid at the time. It was just like, I called it the box system. Mm-hmm. You know, what would your exam look like? What would your, um, wh- like none of, none of like the, maybe it's this, the, no, it is piriformis syndrome. Mm-hmm. What would you do? What would your first aid be? What would your rehab number one, two, and three be? And what would your, what would your strength protocol be at first? Like, would you give them a press first or would you give them something else and why? And so I had these documents up on my Google drive and I gave them access to all of them. I said, look, I want you to look at the title of it and I want you to write down what you would do before looking at what I would do. Because when I had Jeremy in the office, like he's he finally, he said one day, he's like, he's like, he's like, I saw it cause he would basically do shadowing, mm-hmm. um, for, for new cases. And so he's like, he's like, it was great. He's like, this case was great. Cause I knew what you're going to do before you were going to do it. And I said, perfect. So that's, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And so I want them to be able to have a good workflow of what they would probably do, but there's going to be, a, there's going to be dodging and weaving too. Mm-hmm. So that was the creation of that system. And then I just kept cleaning it up because now I have another two interns and I think it's just going to help automate. I don't want to say automate, but um, it, when you mentioned the e-myth, there, there's certainly things I don't need to teach again. And so I, in, I instruct I instruct my new interns to then read a, I think it's chapter six of crisp book lumbar spine mm-hmm. before I even teach them anything about anything else of that region. And we go from low back to hip. And if they, if they don't know anything about that, like if they're like still have questions about that or they don't have it mastered, I don't go on. And they're like, well, what about like upper extremity? I'm like, no, like do this. I want you to master that because this, the system is fairly the same, mm-hmm. but now we just move it to different regions with the four, group of four interns. We never got to foot, ankle or hand or elbow. So we, we barely got to neck shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but now they're really good at hip low back. Jeremy's doing really good. Yeah, he is. Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Wells killing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks here, but it's, it's always fun. Um, yeah, I'd like to. I, I feel it, it's. I feel like you know, like even talking to you guys, it's like, when are we ever going to get to see each other again? You know, like when? Are we- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My question would be, uh, you know, this would be down the line where you know, hopefully, I can do this. But what were the things that you were considering when you were like, okay, I can take on an associate doctor? Yeah, that's a that's hard. Um, you need to have enough money in the bank account to pay for payroll to, to, you got to think of an associate doctor, like a gamble, mm-hmm. you know, like you're like, you're, I guess you're buying low and, um, you know, they have to be extremely trainable. Um, she followed the system very well. She doesn't have an ego. Um, and she's, she's still willing to learn and just, she's willing to hustle and do the work. You know, we, uh, the hard thing, which you guys are good, everyone's going to run into is right now, you're probably doing a very good job of promoting yourself. And, um, we've had people already now, they're like, okay, what do I got to do to go with Dr. Sebastian? Well, Don's available. Well, no, I want to be with Sebastian, you know, and it's, and it's, is it's, 
it's hard to unravel, you know, 11 years of self-promotion. Right. Um, even though, and, and this is why, like, the only reason I hired uh, an associate doctor, and, and I kind of want to say colleague now. I don't want to say associate. It's kind of demeaning. Um, when I hired a colleague was that when I started realizing that, because when Jeremy was over there in New Jersey, he's still in New Jersey, but when I started like people had reached out on Instagram about, I'm like, just go to a bunch of New York people, by the way. I don't understand. Like, I'm like, just go to New Jersey, go to Jeremy. And then, so Jeremy has like, he's like, Oh, I got this person. Oh, thanks for this other one. And, and, uh, you, I could, they're just so happy. Like mm-hmm. the patients were so happy. I'm like, well, why would I kind of on the email thing? Why would I not train? Like I trained Jeremy really well and I spent the time doing it. Why would I not have someone else? You know? So, um, I think when you have a good system to teach, you might consider it financially. I think you got to have a, enough money in the bank because when it comes down, when the rubber meets the, meets the road, if, if business goes down like this, like COVID-19 thing, mm-hmm. if you don't have enough money to pay yourself, you're not going to pay them mm-hmm. and all your work is wasted. Um, but that's kind of, I think, I think you have to get along really well with them, you know? So. I don't know any other way to put it. It's, it's, it's all like, for me, uh, you'll probably see a common theme and it's all about, do you get along with the person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that there was four people on the floor at once at sometimes. Is that including the colleague or do you have her working on different days that you're not working? No, funny. Um, she, California is really slow at licensing. Mm. <laughs> so we haven't had that problem yet. But it, um, for interns though, like we've had, We've had three patients and um, like two interns and me on the floor at one time. We've had six people total, wow. you know, plus, plus um, well, maybe even more. Um, the, so my girlfriend, Allie, rents from me too. She also does the same kind of thing. And so she has her own room, which she can use a little bit too, but she's on the floor a lot too. So there's probably, there's a possibility we had eight people on the floor at one time in a, in a 400, four or 500 square foot place. Um but I mean, shit, how much, how many isometrics can you do there with that person? You know, right. um, probably the hardest thing in that situation is everybody's trying to talk over each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but yeah, so it hasn't really become a problem with, um, with the, with, with colleague, with, with colleague Don. Well, I think what we're, we're trying to do is making it, making it easy for her to get we'll call overflow Mm-hmm. Not that we're busting at the seams, although I want to say about before before COVID nineteen, I came home a couple times where I was like, "Dude, this this amount of volume is just killing me. I don't want to do this." And my girlfriend Allie was like, "Just wait it out. Don's gonna be licensed really soon." And you, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna keep." The, I'm like this because like you see enough people, you don't. I I don't sleep well. It's mm-hmm. like you you troubleshoot people, or I do. Um, so. What I think what we're going to do first is we're going to have her available earlier in the day than me and also available on like, you know, how people call on Thursday or Friday and they're like, hey, can I get in over the weekend? I can't wait over the weekend. I wanted to capture those people because mm-hmm. I don't work Friday and Saturday or Sunday. So th- those might be the easiest easiest ways to get people to to be okay with the urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she does an amazing job. But I think when it comes down to, when it comes down to it, a lot of people will probably choose me and I don't want them to, mm-hmm. you know, I want them to choose either or. The final question that I would have for you is, and it's always something I keep asking almost everyone that comes on here because 
it's something that I can't answer myself is how do you decide a price point for your services? Yeah. Um, you know, how much would you pay to get out of, if you were bald, how much would you pay? <laughs> oh, a lot of money. <laughs> okay. It depends on, it depends on the pain point, right? If you're okay with being bald, it doesn't, there's, you wouldn't pay a penny. So I, I'd say this first, if you look around at all the people um, who are practicing around you, just, you can probably go on their websites and, or call their front desk and say, uh, how much for a, a, a whatever service? And they'll probably tell you. And then based upon, let's, let's say it's 50 bucks for that, for that service. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what that person's doing in volume, can they, can they survive? You know, um, there's the more PBC, the less you can charge and the quicker you can go. But like, if you're spending a, if you're spending a little bit of time, you got to charge a little bit more, mm-hmm. but, um, it's, it's tough. I would say you can't go, you can't go up in price. You can only go down, you know? And so like, say somebody, say you think someone really needs a one hour examination and you charge like $500 for it. They're like, Whoa, that's too much. You know? And you're like, well, what's going on with you? And they're like, well, my, my little toe just hurts, you know? And you're like, Oh, I bet we can do that in 15 minutes. That'll cost you a hundred bucks. How's that sound? Oh, that's way better. You know, but a hundred dollars from like a standard Cairo, like they give away free exams, I think. So that already hundred dollars sounds like much more than what they're accustomed to, but it sounds much better than $500. So I would, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you what I used to charge and this will give you a framework when I got out 11 years ago, I think for a new exam, I charged $100 and I charged 60 for a follow-up. Um, within three months, I was charging like 125 and I think 80 $85. And so I've met, I've met uh, new grads who are like, well, I think I'll charge 100 and then like $60 for a follow-up. And I was like, you're charging what I did 10 years ago and inflation and all this living expenses, you're, you're cheap really cheap. You're too cheap. So why don't you give yourself a chance, you know, charge a little bit more than what I did 10 years ago, please. You know, <laughs> um, or if you're going to make it up in time, you can do that. But if you're planning on spending time and honing in your skills, you need to charge a little bit more, mm-hmm. but then that takes the conversation of, of getting de- deep down to the root of the cause of the, uh, or the, the root of the, the goal of the person, you might have to spend a little bit more time nurturing the relationship in order to get the money out of them to pay for the service that you want to give and you feel like they need. That's huge. I mean, a lot of people always want to try to undercut everybody, but the way you brought it to the forefront is no, you need to know your worth and you need to charge what you need to live essentially. Yeah. You, you know what? Um, it was something like a, this, this might be a good exercise for you guys right now is tell all your, I'm sure you guys are treating friends and family and extended friends for free. You know, like every student does, they go in their garage and they're just like, I just want to improve my skills. This is for me. Right. Although you're not supposed to treat people at people at a clinic. And so you do this for free. And then, so I would just, I would just tell those people, here is a definitive timeline. You get to have me for free. And if you don't use it, I will charge you because I got to feed, I got to feed you. I feed myself too. And so at least it, they understand what the relationship is. 
because I bet a lot of the students who have just exited school, the hardest thing is now, like, like I said earlier, it's hard to raise your price. It, the hardest thing in the world is to charge the people you used to do it for free for. Mm. But also those people, are they referring anybody? You know, like have they referred anybody? Like they, have they given you a testimonial? Um, are they willing to be your model on video for the exercises that you want to show your paying clients? Mm-hmm. You know, like someone's got to pay. And like, I, I would just, just, I mean, if you want to change your prices over the first year, like say, say the first month, your fee schedule for, for an adjustment is $10. It can be if, if you want it to be. That is, that is a window of time where that is your fee schedule. And then you change, uh, I guess, I'll make sure I'm not doing a legal thing here. You can change, I'm pretty sure you can change your fee schedule. You just can't have two fee schedules. So, but you have to, if you got to change it, you change it, I, I believe. But I think if there's a definitive amount of time that you have that fee schedule and that's the service you're doing, just let them know this is, this is when I'm going to do it. If you have a, like, if I hear, like, I've had a lot of friends, I just, sometimes I'll land to them, sometimes I don't. I say, look, you've been bitching and complaining about this thing for six months now. I offered to help six months ago. And now you want help on a Saturday at six o'clock in the afternoon after I've had a beer? No, like <laughs> you make an appointment. Like yeah. I've asked to help you and, and you have not, you've not accepted it for whatever reason. And it was free, you know? Mm. So I don't know. I had a friend, like very good friend that um, he'll, he'll, he know, he'll know the story if, I, if, if he listens to this is so he had plantar fasciitis, right? And so he came in, he's, he's a little overweight and like we, we've been trying to help him lose weight for years. And so I said, look, just, just come in. I'll help you on a Saturday. Like he's like, I, I can't, I would categorize people as like Saturday, like Saturday crew people. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know them and love them enough to come in on a Saturday if you don't work Saturdays? And the answer is yes for this guy. Like I would drive and pick him up in Boston if I need to. Um, so he had plantar fascia pain and we lay down on the table, do the exam and stuff. The only way I can provoke his pain is pushing uh, actually, I couldn't even do it by pushing super hard on on like the uh, fat pad area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I said, I can't find anything wrong with you. How do you hurt it? Or how, how can you make it hurt? He's like, oh, I just got to stand on it. And I'm like, okay, you're 40 pounds overweight, man. Like, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. I will, I will help you. I will help you as long as you need for this. But just to let you know, unless you unless you lose weight, you're not helping me. So allow me to do this. I'll give you I'll, like, I'll, well, I think I did tissue work on him at the time. And, and uh, I, I said, look, every time you come in, I want you to weigh yourself. And if you don't lose at least one pound over the week, I'm going to charge you. And so he said, okay. And um, he did not lose weight. He did not come back. And the plantar <laughs> fasciitis self-resolved. So it's, but, but at least I didn't feel like I was being taken advantage of and he knew the expectations. So, um, and I, I don't want to charge any, uh, I do really don't want to charge my good friends, but they, they need to be willing to do the work, um, or else it's just not fair. So I I think we got really away from your question though. (laughs) No, no, honestly it was perfect because you brought up a, a good point where you can use money to kind of force accountability to a certain extent where it's like, I'm serious. You know, you can spend 50 bucks with a guy that's not serious or you can spend a hundred and I'm here for you. And this, it makes them more accountable. They're more bought into the process physically and literally, you know? Yeah. Well, you, you know, you, so you bring a good point on this too, is there's, 
you should ask around and just just as, as assert, just survey the people that you know. Ask them for their problem, whatever they're doing. Ask them what else they do. And they'll say, well, I go to this massage therapist and that's like 50 bucks a time plus a tipper, you know, and then mm-hmm. also I go to this special hairstylist because when I do my hair at this other place, when they bend my head back and they wash my hair, it really irritates my neck and this place takes care of me. They cost a little bit more though and so on. Like there's, there's various things that they would have done, heat pads and so on. But you know what? They know you very well and they know that you love them and they trust you, but they're not willing to pay you the money they pay people that don't know or care about them. Like what is, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) So I think if you can talk to them about like, I think they might not change their mind because people know what works for them, right? Like it works for three days and I know it works for me. Um, But people will, they'll, they'll start, you'll start to gather data about, about how, about what your customer is going to, what their mind mindset's going to be because all the rationale of what this, why, your friend might go to this special hairstylist, um, you'll start to learn about what your, what your customer is going to also have as their yeah buts. Um, mm-hmm. And if, and if, and let now speaking logically to them won't always make sense, but let's just say if, by the way, the, the treatment I'm going to do with you right now, it's going to cost less. Uh, it'll make it so you don't need massage and actually your hair will stop growing where it's at. You'll save all the money on all those things can you, will you do it with me? And they're like, "Mm, no, I just, no, I really like to drive down the coast when I go to the hair person, you know? So there's, there's other reasons why they do their things, you know? 100%, 100%. You have anything else? Should I call you Tom or should I call you Seth? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, probably I get Jeff more. Let me go. Jeff. (laughs) Well, Jeff, this has been awesome. Where can everyone find you? (laughs) Uh, You can go into p2sportscare.com if you're looking for if you're looking for those uh webinar or things that's that's where they're going to be posted they will be recorded there or so they'll be recorded and posted there after the fact if you're looking to actually take part of them in real time i think the first one's going to be on april 18th we're going to start with hip uh i would encourage you to email me that is info at p2sportscare.com or you can just go instagram it's uh, at performance hb but those are probably the easiest spots i don't don't call me there I don't pick up very often. Yeah, I'll put the links in the show notes to make it easier for people. Perfect. Yeah. Email is super quick. 